A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hello, it's Graham. Welcome to a classic big interview. Today, join me. We're going back to season 2015-2016. This is what I had to say about it back then. Talking to Alan Pardew was a priority for me because when we've done tiny little bit of information exchanges, I've really enjoyed hearing from him. I thought that as with all big interviews, I wouldn't go into this chat with a roadmap about where I wanted to get to. Rather, simply ask the questions I was curious about. What emerges is a story of pivotal moments in your life and in your career. For example, to be at Wembley twice um, as, a, as, a, as a successful footballer, proving that all along his determination to not accept rejection was right. But also moments in football. 3-0 up, 3-3, nearly losing, nearly losing his job, nearly going through to the Europa League semi-final with Newcastle, just split-second moments. But for me, the most important moment in this conversation is the fascinating tale of Nigel Rio Coker, the FA Cup final, West Ham Liverpool and Steven Gerrard. You'll have a laugh listening to tales about Gaza, for example. Alan's views on Spengorn Eriksson are interesting. All in all, this is typical of him. He's very forthright. I enjoyed the answers. I enjoyed the process. And if you can hear a little bit of twittering away in the background, those are the lovebirds. They really are. There are many transitions that you watch on a pitch and they're they're increasingly easy to understand. Like the modern trend is to take a winger and teach him how to be a wing-back. Maybe even just a full-back. And I think quite often you can see players with the intelligence and the reading of game that they can oscillate between playing next to a centre-half, whether you want to call it a sweeper or a liberal, or play 
in the middle of an organising, you know, well, organising. I mean, you know, what you're talking about is a player that turned up for me uh, on uh, in a in a very difficult circumstance was Mascherano. Mm. There's this guy um, who's fantastic passer, possibly the the safest passer I ever see, other than Michael Carrick. I'd put them two very similar in their passing technical ability. Could I see him as a centre half? No. To this day, I still can't see him as a centre half. Thank the Lord you said that. Yeah. And there's probably only one team in the world yeah. that could play him as a centre half. So it was amazing that uh, he ended up there. I've watched him. My, my knowledge is, my eye is, is not yours, not as good. When Pep first did it, it was auxiliary because on the night of the Wembley final, Puyol's not fit. Abidal's back from a cancer scare. But as Abidal's told me in a film that we're making, didn't expect, I was shocked out of his skin that he was playing. And you think, Mascherano won't cope. And he copes then. But when it's day after day after game after game after game, he was exposed. Positionally, a bit rash, height. Yeah. If you could suck the juice out of what you've said about the age of 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, he's done that. He's gone, right, I'll tell you what, I'll learn from that. We'll learn from that as well. I'll learn from that. Right. To the point at which now... Mm, you know, half bad. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and suddenly he's comfortable. Yeah. But I mean, okay, you you picked up beautifully on what I'm saying that he didn't look like a natural, but you could, you know, Carrick's played in the centre at the back and in midfield. You can ask, you could ask PK to do that easily. Busquets has done it, okay. But across the game, there are certain positions. But when you change from somebody who'd been a creative player, a bit of time on the ball, vision about where to put a pass, a ten-ish type of player. To a player who goes one-on-one with some of the greats of that age of English football, that's a big transition. What's it like? Because when you're 10, a lot of the time, or a creative midfielder, a lot of the time there's only you in your head. There's the ball, I've read it, it's what I want to do with it, where's my space? What does he not like that? Suddenly, you know, it's Tyson Fury. Yeah. There's two of you in, 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 that, in your space, in your head. And What was it like? Gaza, Robson, Barnes, and how well, did you Gaza, manage it? Gaza was uh, was a tormentor. Gaza would uh, go out of his way to kind of humiliate uh, any player. That was his style. You know, he was brilliant. But I wouldn't leave him. Um, uh, <laughs> it's a good expression. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't leave him alone. So we had a kind of uh, funny relationship. And he's not. He, he was. Uh, let's just say he's verbally. Uh, he was verbally enhanced <laughs> like myself. So we had some uh, interesting debates on the pitch. Yeah. But he was funny. I always enjoyed playing against him. But I remember at Crystal Palace, he ran me across the pitch. He had the ball at his feet. And he was dragging it with one and towing it with the other foot. And he went all the way across the pitch. They were winning at the time. And I could hear the crowd laugh, not laughing, kind of chuckling. Like, you know, you can at a game. You know, yeah. and like, like, oh. And I, but I didn't move. I just didn't make a tackle. I just followed him across the pitch. And when he passed it, I said, well done. And we carried on playing and he wow. laughed. Wow. And, that was, and that was just how I was at that time. I was just like motorised in my mind that that was the job I had to do. And I guess like, I, didn't, I didn't see the incident, but as you've described it, because you were doing a job and, and taking the, the fact that around there was a bit of a free zone around the ground... He probably wasn't going anywhere that dangerous either, was it? It, it no, kind of looked exactly. okay, but you had done your job. Exactly. You know, at the end of the game, uh, I remember a few of the Palace, but they about one guys that took you across the pitch. And to be honest, I wasn't even, it doesn't even embarrass me. I don't even now, I think even Brighty, I've heard him say it a couple of times, bring it up as a sort of, <laughs> you know, a funny story. 
I'd love to see a clip of it again because I know it didn't bother me in the slightest. And that's, uh, and that's kind of how my mentality had become by then. I was really kind of like focused on uh, what my job was and what Steve Copper wanted me to do. And that was it. That was what I had to do. You, you, you very nearly robbed Alex Ferguson of his first trophy. You know, the, the breakthrough moment for Alex of yeah. modern football in England. Yeah. The breakthrough well, moment. There have been dynasties. But let's say Crystal Palace win that cup. You know, we should have won it. And um, I remember going down the tunnel. I walked down the tunnel quite early and Alex was outside his dressing room. He was waiting for his players to come in and one or two had already arrived and he was, you know, ushering them in. I could see the relief. I remember going in our dressing room saying he can't believe how lucky he is. We should have won that, guys, you know. And make sure we do it the second time, which we, which we made a bit of a mess of. But, um, yeah, it was one of those moments in time when... And all great managers have them. You could even argue Mourinho on the touchline against Old Trafford. It might not have worked out like that. Shouldn't have either. And it shouldn't have. So, you know, great managers still have... You still need the breaks now and again. You could say you have to earn them or whatever reason or your preparation was such, etc., etc. But you still need the breaks. I'm sure we've lost some unbelievably great managers... Because that when they didn't fall that day didn't go, that particular day. You've tantalised me because. And I've had a few moments. Do you have a view of why that is? That sometimes the the dice do fall for for these guys. Is it character? Is it how hard you work? Do do you have a view? You know, famously Jack Stewart said, "The harder I work, the luckier I get." But it's it's a misnomer. He didn't actually mean he was taking he was taking the piss. Of my podcast, I can say that. He was saying, "No, no, no, the, the thing you think was luck wasn't luck," but. A manager can't influence the fact that Benny's free kick spills and Costinho's offside and the linesman doesn't give it. I remember managing Reading Football Club and I'd done okay up until this point and we went and we was leading 3-0 at half-time and I needed to win this game to save my job at Notts County. At 82 minutes, it was 3-0 and I'm thinking... And they had a chance, and I thought, if that goes in, that's me. And forget where I'm sitting now. Forget it. That, forget it. That it's not going to happen. And yeah, I prepared the team. Yeah, I worked hard. Of course, like all every other manager, prepared and worked hard. Yeah. And we went up the other end and scored <laughs> against the run of play and won the game. And everyone went, oh, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> it was all designed. This is the myself. first time in any of these interviews. I wish that was ten seconds of visual because yeah, exactly. Your hand and the smile and the ruefulness and the, that was beautiful expression. Yeah. So that's and uh, and pivotal moments at Newcastle I had when um, I could have lost my job. I also feel I could have won the Europa League at Newcastle because the game against Benfica, Benfica game was, we should have won. Yeah, easily. Ben Arthur has a chance for 2-0 for before they score and it would have been game over. They wouldn't have come back from that. They went on to the final, obviously, against Chelsea. So, you know, you get moments. The FA Cup final, I'm looking at Benitez on the sideline as a manager. He's done. I can see him. He, he knew. He was preparing his speech for the defeat and then literally a, a football miracle happens and well have you ever seen these are moments that change careers now if I'd have won the uh, cup FA Cup then 
where would I be now? What would my personality be different? It might be completely different. Bit of glory at that stage, going on to a big club, uh, success or not success. I might not be where I am now. So these things sometimes happen for a reason. I don't actually think it's in the gods or in the... I think sometimes it's just fate. Mm. Yeah, I can't determine uh, an actual fact. So there we go back to what I used to do at Bristol Palace. Because Peter Grant whispered in my ear with 10 minutes to go, just get Nigel Rio Coker to man mark Stevie Gerrard and we've done it, right? Oh. And I went, because I'm not stupid, that was a good idea. So we man marked Stevie Gerrard. And if you watch the game, because now I'm telling you, you'll know, you watch the last seven or eight minutes of that game, Nigel Rio Coker was all over him like a rush. And Steve Gerrard decided to drop off deep because he wasn't influencing the game, he wasn't getting a kick. And Nigel Rio Coker, being the honest pro that he was, stayed deep, defends the space to prevent the back four. Stevie Gerrard picks it up and shoots from another country, basically. So there you go. So we did everything right. I could look back, I still look back on that time and that goal and I could see it now and I, I don't blame Nigel Rio Coker because if it was me I'd have done exactly the same as him. That was a natural instinct yeah. that he had to do was protect the back four, not go and mark Stevie Gerrard, I'm going to do nothing from there. Goal goes in. So, you know, these, uh, the, all these things are linked. That's what's great about football. I can see moments when great managers have moments in their career. I've seen Angelotti lose when he perhaps should have won and won when he should have lost. I've seen Jose win when he should have lost. Jose lose when he should have won. So these defining moments, and as you say, you're quite right, they're getting finer actually. Mm -hmm. And particularly in the league we're in, they are really fine now. Mm -hmm. We have won seven, lost six. We've actually won more games than Tottenham and Everton, but we've lost six games. And actually, we could have won the six and lost the seven. Mm-hmm. We are in there. That's what's good about us. We're a good team and we fight and we're a real fighting team. We're in there all the time. We win or we lose. We ain't got that real control of the game. That's something we've got to get, hopefully, in the next second part of the season. I feel um, that when we're turning, this is only my view as an observer, and the reason we're privileged to be here is that you've done this and learned from it. When I watch, one of the things I learn that, that counter-twists the kaleidoscope when you've had the ready moment at 3-0, 3-3, oof, they haven't scored and then we score and then you've had, we've got it just right, we're going to protect the 3-2, FA Cup final, you put the right man on the right man and it still doesn't work out. And in moments like that, what I think I've learned is, is, is what you do afterwards. And my memory is, and I think it's under, probably underwritten as a Crystal Palace team, not long after the cup final, maybe 12 months, you go back to Wembley, don't you? And beat Everton. Mm. Thump. Yeah, in fact, we thump did. a very good Everton side. Yeah. And people don't, I think it was the Football League trophy. Yeah, was we, that did, it, we, was we actually, we should have been in Europe because May United already in Europe yeah. that year, but it was the year we got banned. Yeah. So the FA and the FA were in charge, weren't they, the top division at the time decided to create this competition like another League Cup, basically. Yeah. And that's what we won. Um, I can't remember. Zenith Data, I think it might yeah, have been called. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, we was, we was actually a better team the year after. I didn't play. I was, a, like, first sub, really, in them days. You only had two subs. I was 
pretty much getting games here and there, but wasn't Jeez. first team. Did you play in the final? Yeah, I played in the final, yeah. yeah. No, I played my share, but we finished. I mean, seriously, looking at that Everton side, it's yeah. a right but we finished third in. in the league that year. Crystal Palace. Third. I mean, that takes some doing. I'm never going to top that. But Stevie Cottwell don't get any credit for that because it was a Premier League. We're all about the Premier League now. Premier League stats and like we got our, we, we broke the record on Saturday. 5-1, first time uh, we won 5-1. I'm pretty sure if you go back to Stevie Cottwell in the first division, he's got a 5 in there. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Like, and a third place. And a third place. It's yeah. extraordinary actually, yeah. isn't it, when you look yeah. back on it? Yeah, it was. Because, because, okay, it wasn't the Premier League with all its beautiful marketing and its clever organisation and British football was still a bit bumpy then. You know, the hooliganism was still a problem, whatever. Maybe if people are unfairly expunging those days, it's because it brings with it. But that's no less of an achievement, in fact. No, that's right. The teams were at least as good. In fact, in my opinion, teams were better then. I well, think. It's, a, it's an interesting thing because, you know, I look at the teams from fifth down and they are better. And yet I look at the teams fifth up and I don't think they're as good as they were. Quality-wise, I think we're talking about... Yeah, correct. Maybe creativity, intelligence. Oh, they're bigger clubs now. Wow, the, look at 282 million for 13% of Man City today. But you, you don't Man pay Chinese for your club. ticket when you're punting. You don't pay for your ticket to see size of their budget. No, of or course. Or well our accountants of dress. Of course. You pay to see the footballers. Of course. So some of the great sides we've had in this country, the Liverpool side that cleaned up... Alex Ferguson's two United teams you could argue three the Arsenal team of Wenger's the Invincibles we ain't got a team like that at the moment no even Chelsea last year people say to me about uh, Jose you know struggling this year but they struggled for the last two months of last season they literally crawled over the line everyone was going oh they've lost a little bit of spark they were hanging on for that title and they managed to do that you've got a friend there I learned when I first came over to meet you really properly at Newcastle's training ground. You said to me, no, I've got somebody there who you were talking about. He would probably help you in the market where I think you've proved to be very good with whatever network of help. I think you've got a tremendous eye, tremendous appetite for detail, which is fantastic. But what's the background of being, of having a friend in Mourinho? Because that's some years now. must have been from when you first went up against each other in his first year at Chelsea, am I right? Yeah, we, pro- we probably um, had a connection with Brendan Rodgers, who was my academy director at Reading, and ended up being, um, obviously, an assistant to, to Jose at uh, Chelsea. So that helped. I think Brendan probably uh, told him a few stories, and you know he must have liked what he heard, so he was sort of pre-armed before he met me. But I've always liked his character uh, and I do and I think unfortunately Jose you know um, has this way of playing with the press at times that was always going to hurt him if it went bad and that's what's happening <laughs> uh, I mean I'm not I'm not I'm not here for the no but everybody he, can draw their own conclusions about what he doesn't say what, what rules, we can't escape is his what, talent you know, and what you can't underestimate is his ability to keep a team focused 
particularly when they get in winning positions. You know, you talk about golfers who get in winning positions. You say like McIlroy, once he gets up there, you go, oh, forget it. You know, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna claw him back. Mm-hmm. And Spieth, you can look at him and say the same. And Tiger in, in winning Tiger's day. This is like football teams, Jose's teams like that. When they get their noses in front, they're very, very difficult. There's not many times I can think of he's been pipped at the post. It ain't happening. Once he gets his nose in front, that's an art to keep the team as motivated and organised and everything right to the wire and get the title and get the cut. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Apart from many things about his achievements to admire, one of the things that's been patently clear, and he, he's always been able to get under people's skin, get under the skin of his players, mm. make them believe more, play better, enjoy themselves more, create a team spirit. Sometimes the circling of the wagons, but not quite like Fergie did when it was literally non-stop for a quarter of a century, everybody's against us. He sold this falsehood to the players and they bought it. Every, <laughs> it was brilliant work, brilliant work. You know, he could be on the back of a wagon in the Wild West selling hair tonic and people, you know, everybody would have bought it, including the buffalo. But Josie seems to have this um, really good one-on-one skill to, to lift a man, lift a player, maybe make him better, make him believe. Listen, the psychology of a footballer these days is, is your big battle because I look at coaches and I look at setups and I look at tactics and, and I look at all that and I think, yeah, you're probably... We're probably on the same page there on that one. Mm-hmm. So where's the difference going to come? Well, it's about what you're going to do at half-time, what you're doing before the game as a manager, where are you going to lift them? It really goes undetected a little bit by the media, in my opinion. What managers are like in that dressing room? Because I can talk about Sven Goran Eriksson 
as an Englishman managing him managing English players I could never see it a lack of cultural connection in how to express I couldn't see what I couldn't see something on telly about him I couldn't see in him when I spoke to him privately see him on TV what he would have done for me in the change room that would have really made me go the extra mile now I could reel off Sam Allardyce Terry Venables George Graham Jose Mourinho Alec for Brendan Rodgers all those people there's something about them that would I know could touch me as a player and I couldn't see it with him so that's looking at it in that kind of scale of that is what I think the modern manager has got to be really at the top of his tree how do you reach players how do I reach Zahar how do I reach Scotty Dan completely two different characters from two completely different backgrounds but you go that's your job that is your job and if there's one art that Alex Ferguson had that um, sets him apart at times was that he could reach every player in all the time that he managed because it was an incredible long period that he managed and he and he changed and he I remember him telling me the story of Roy Keane when Roy Keane came in to see him he left Roy Keane out Roy Keane wasn't happy and I'm not surprised you know I can imagine Roy Keane knocking on my door <laughs> and uh and Alex said to me that he knocked on his door and he said look you know you've changed you have you know and uh, I don't like that and Alex Ferguson turned around to him and said yeah of course I've changed I've changed because the game's changed you've got to change with the game my, my management's changed the way I view the game has changed maybe you should look at that and that's true that's so true and um, unfortunately the problem you have at Premier League or no actually not Premier League managing at professional level is senior players coming to the end of their career actually not realising that you are trying to do the right thing by them they think that you're doing everything wrong for them it might be that you've changed you know that you're trying to take the team forward and that they now become a byproduct. they Mm -hmm. can't accept that byproduct. can't accept it they can't see this new vision this new look they can't get it when I speak to other managers and the problems I've had, really and truly, some of my worst experiences are those senior players. The same senior players who come up to me now at functions, now I'm a little bit older, and say, you were right. And you know what? You were one of the best managers and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't see it at the time. And I'm sorry. I apologise. You know, I get all those little things. And I think, I don't hold it against them. I understand it. Because when I was a player, I was the same. I didn't see it either. When I got left out at Charlton, I was like, what's he doing curvishly? He's got this all wrong. You don't see it. So you, for two or three years, you're blind at the end of your career. Almost completely blind. It feels like a natural progression, though, because see that guy you've, you've trusted to take his... Not all players, by the way. Not all senior players. Not understood. But, but a percentage. Let's say that senior player X is a guy who you've trusted to bring on young kids during your time he's a guy to whom you've devolved a lot of responsibility in the pitch he's a guy who's clicked with your ideas and understands your strategy and he feels actually quite umbilically linked to you correct and then that moment comes along where you're like no not this Wednesday or not this game or not away from home or you need more time to recuperate or I'm I'm changing the shape and, and it's just automatic that, that the pride and the diligence and the competitive nature that's 
given you all that stuff in the first place has to go head to head into what you're saying and then it has to be a, a, a minor you've breakdown got, you've in, got to understand in, the love. In, in, in a way you adopt a child really yeah. a new player yeah. you adopt a player and you abandon them and they think for all the wrong reasons yeah. that you've abandoned them and they're hurt and they're hurt I, and, I, and it, I know two men in football don't usually use that vocabulary but I've never managed them but I've spoken to players and there is just a how could he yeah, or, exactly. or I've been let down or that's not fair and yeah. if they were allowed to go into a corner and cry for 10 minutes yeah. it's a natural human react. they're still getting paid as much more or less the majority of them I, I could give you an example of name and name and I have no embarrassment about naming the name because the guy is a champion Shola you should have scored the winner for Bolton last night uh, when he spun Shola when I went into Newcastle the first season was massively important for me keeping the Premier League we'd lost uh, the big fella to Liverpool for 30 million yeah. Shola had to come in the fans didn't really particularly want Shola in the team at that point but he did an unbelievable job and I've had to leave him out could have played him on many occasions for Newcastle left him out and I know Shola was looking at me to say what why and yet I offered him his coaching job last year because I knew he, he understood he could understand it, it's kind of a strange love that you can have mm-hmm. as a positive and as a negative. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm saying to Shola, you've got to go into management. You've got to. Don't not miss that boat. It might be a better boat than your playing career. Because my managing career, of course, has been more successful than my playing career. There's no doubt about that. I was always had more tools for this job than I did as a player. Same as Shona Amiobi. And I've got a few other players in the, who are like that. Malky Mackay. Malky is a great man manager. Got passion in the dressing room. Can reach players. Mm-hmm. So now I have all these ex-players who are coaches, managers, pundits or whatever they are. And uh, it's lovely bumping into them because their version of the same story is slightly <laughs> different. I listen and I think... Oh, was it really like that? <laughs> you know, but sometimes you do get lost as a player and as a manager, by the way. And there has been times, some senior players, I have probably let down because I was under pressure yeah. or uh, it, was just, it, it was just not going well. And I was having to be a bit meaner and tougher than perhaps I should have been with that particular senior player. So it hasn't always been one-sided. I get that. And there has been a few senior players that I've... But when they tell me their version of the story, I go, you know what? Probably right there. Should have done that. You can't better. live in everybody's head all the time when you're pressure. And I, I don't really want to dwell on it too much. Because I'm here because I, I hugely admire what I think is a gently underestimated managerial career. And one which I think is, has probably barely even reached the glass half full. I, I imagine, seeing the way that you evolve, seeing the way that you man-manage, which is a skill that can never be lost, um, I imagine that there's more to come, probably Cups. I'd imagine that a Cup is a name here at Crystal Palace. But if I can touch on the Newcastle thing compared to where you are now, it must be hell of a good not to feel as if you're fighting against the negativity of the fans and the media at a club where nonetheless the results were superb. And how do you value the fifth for Newcastle with finishing third as a player with Crystal Palace there's not a lot between those two achievements but now I often wonder at Palace the crowd can't help you with strategy they can't help you get the players fit more quickly they can't help you winkle more money out of the owner 
But to be with the communion of that power of a fan base must give you something that you get a buzz off energy-wise but also and conviction of. But also you can peddle that to the players, whether they're coming or whether they're trying hard and training. Well, of course, that's a major beneficial aspect of me managing this football club. It's dangerous for me because when you've been kind of an icon as a player at a football club to come back and manage it, there are going to be times when that icon status is going to get forgotten, for sure. And that is going to happen for me here at some point because you can't have continued success at a football club. And I never had continued success at Newcastle, but I did have success at Newcastle. Perhaps some success that they, uh, they took for granted a little bit. I, I honestly thought when we finished fifth, some of the local media was like, well, this is where we should be. And I was thinking, well, hold on a minute. We've hardly spent a penny compared to the clubs we've finished above here. And it's going to be a problem going forward uh, unless we can really throw some investment at this. And it turned out to be a problem. Although I think the connection uh, of me being from London and the owner who wasn't particularly popular, him being from London, they put that together. Uh, but really, I was the manager of Newcastle. I was employed by Mike Ashley. When you're a manager of a football club, you're a manager for the fans. You're trying to give them what they want. Mm. Mike never rung me and said, play five at the back today. Never, never, never. I tried to put on that pitch at Newcastle, an entertaining team. At times, it wasn't, for sure. At times, we struggled. We lost players to injury. We didn't invest enough. And uh, for all those reasons... We had some sticky periods. But, you know, my last game there, I remember I knew this was, there was a possibility this might open up for me, this place. And we played Everton and we won. We was ninth in the Premier League. And I uh, looked at the press the next day and, I, and the social media. Because social media is a massive part of the feeling of the group. So you it shouldn't be good. You can't get away from it, I'm afraid. Yeah. It's the same here. Social media plays a big part now. Looked at it. It was almost like, well, we're underperforming and I thought it was overperforming mm. with what we had, with the players that we mm-hmm. had. So I really, I knew it was probably the best time for them to give them a new start and uh, me to move on. But when coming to this place, of course, and where we are right now, it's very attractive to players. To sell it to Kabaya was easy. I'm the manager here. I'm making all the big decisions with the owner, who has tremendous faith. He was with me when we met Johan. We have a fan base that's right behind us. We have... Uh, and, and noisy, which is now noisy. not a given. Even in the Premier League, it's not the thing anymore. And we're London. Yeah. You know, and it has, it's, it has great attributes for a professional footballer. Access to home from London is easy. Whether you live in Buenos Aires or you live in Windsor. It's incredible, isn't it? The, the life of the more They have to... Th- can I be there? Can I be back? in two days and, yeah. and in and out if the manager gives me two days it's really incredible their lifestyle isn't it yeah I think players are much more professional now their preparation the way they go about their application makes it so much easier for managers like myself these days I really don't need to worry about preparation and application of their fitness and their eating habits that is now 90% of my players is on the money I have to worry about where they are in their spirit. And what you're touching on, what you're saying about Newcastle and Crystal Palace, of course, was a major shift for myself because there's no way I could say my spirit was high at Newcastle at the end. It wasn't. 
they bang me down, bang my spirit down. It wears you, doesn't it? Yeah, and I'm and I am a lot. Of, my management is about my spirit and my and my front foot and let's come on we can do it we can overachieve because you transmit that that's what I'm about so of course this environment was perfect for me I knew it would be perfect for me I'm still pinching myself where we are now to when I first arrived here as I said to you this training ground and the way it is now is if you'd have taken a snapshot of it a year ago you wouldn't believe what you're looking at now so you know we've come a long long way and the team is leading the charge so our academy we've got I wouldn't even want to take this in my academy venue. It's not ready. It's not done. It's not right for a Premier League team. So the first team is leading this club and all the infrastructure is going to have to come off the back of the first team winning games. If we can stay in the division this year, of course, the academy is going to get a nice big boost. Financially, it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah. And f- presumably for a club like this, although however long you stay here, I know you have, is, is, I said it before, so I won't repeat, but an ability in the market, an ability to... Spot the right guy, weed out the guys who look right but aren't, then to make the deal well, to understand the pitfalls in a deal. And therefore, that's what Crystal Palace probably need at the moment. But if you can have, add to the community spirit, and have guys coming through who've spent four, five, ten years in an academy, and then they're wearing the badge here, the power of that, I'd imagine, must be, could be phenomenal. Once that's put right, this club never been better poised to become a big club than it is now mm-hmm. never been a big club I can say that because I've played here so I know that my fans won't take umbrage with that they'll understand of course it's yeah. not a big club but this club could be a big club mm-hmm. we have new investment which could push us on the biggest thing we got going for us we're playing in a Premier League which is 40% financially stronger than any other division in the world uh, and we're in London and therefore we are a very commoditable product and we just need to uh, realise our potential I'm saying to the guys this year that the potential in the team should give you the belief let alone the potential in the club that we can do something this year and I think they do believe me I'm getting them to believe me and the next period the next two months we pivot all to where we finish. Well, I hope it's in a position that earns the club lots of money. I won't even get you in the Europa League because we'll never see eye to eye. <laughs> it's European football. It's a potential trophy. You nearly won it once. But maybe we'll see you at uh, Wembley in May. Well, I think um, the, the cuts for us are going to be important in the next three years mm. because I like to think we're going to be in a position to have that quirk of fate fall our way. Uh, because <laughs> if Alex Ferguson thinks a big slice of these fortune was down to good luck, which I've, I know he does, uh, then uh, even uh, lesser mortals like myself need a little <laughs> bit of it. So we hope to have a bit of luck uh, in the next three years. But, you know, next time um, you come here, it'd be nice for me to take you around our new academy, show you that it's as good as this, and then we'll have a club we can be proud of. Because at the minute, the infrastructure of the club just letting us down a little bit. And it isn't lost on the chairman and not lost on the owners of this football club to put that right. Not to the level of Manchester City or Man United, but certainly to the level of a, a West Ham or Everton or a, a Stoke uh, who have been in the Premier League 10 years or whatever. Success that top team in the academy is always driven from the top down before the lieutenants at ground level can make things right. 
My opinion is the club's in the right hands with you. Couldn't be better. May the Eagles soar so, high. Um, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to say, like I said at the beginning, this has been a pleasure. You've lived this life. And for us, we just get to sample a little bit of it. And boy, the adrenaline's flowing. A joy, a joy to speak to you. Top man. Thank you. Al. Thank you very much. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.